All right, Hawks fans and hoop ball fans, we have a special hoop ball promo. This is big, real big, like Manny Fresh, house real big, car real big, daddy. Anyway, before I start singing and dancing in the booth to a New Orleans classic, this is a huge week for everyone at hoop ball because all of our 2020-2021 NBA season products are finally for sale. These hoop ball products are the best in the business. So listen up. Here's what's out. The draft guide. This is our flagship, our shining beacon like Superman. The most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy sports. Our guys went 400 players deep again this year. A future access pass to the Brewski 150 is also out. If you don't know what the Brewski 150 is... You need to know now. It's the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for the last decade. Decade. And new for this year, Hoopball is unveiling our new monthly membership plans. I'll try to keep this part short as much as I can. We have the fantasy pass, which includes the draft guide, the Brewski 150, and also the new DFS pass. And all of our in-season premium tools. The DFS Pass is also available on its own, if that's your thing. We have the new Wager Pass for our sports bettors out there who want picks and analysis. And we have the Hoopball 360. The sucker has all of the stuff above, plus even earlier access to the Brewski 150. So, head to hoop-ball.com or follow at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter now, right now. Like, go on Twitter right after you hear this to learn more and get yours today. If you want to succeed in sports betting and your fantasy basketball leagues this year, this is a no-brainer. Again, go to Twitter right now at HoopBallFantasy or go to Hoop-Ball.com and get right today. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Yeah! Hello and welcome back to Hoop Ball Hawks, the show that has taken flight here on the Hoop Ball Network. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, reporting live from Atlanta, Georgia, the day after the NBA draft and the day before teams can talk with free agents. So, you know, fun, positive episode as the Hawks continue to take steps forward in improving their roster and will continue in the oncoming days. And today, returning to the show is a great friend of the program, like Stephen A. Smith, my friend. A lifelong Hawks fan, the most educated Hawks fans that I know, Alan Throkey. Alan, how are we doing tonight, man? Doing great, man. Thank you for having me back on. You, uh, you've been you've been pretty busy yourself, man. I gotta say, you are all over the Hoopball Network right now, hopping on uh, Bulls pods, Pels pods. You got the NBA show. So shout out to you, man. You are killing it uh, with everything in regards to the basketball coverage that we offer here. Um, and I'm just excited to. Hop on for a pretty impactful time here for our team. 
Man, I, I appreciate the support, man, and the love. I feel like Ty Dolla Sign right now. I'm just featuring on everything. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I got to do my own thing, too. And we talked about this, obviously, weeks in advance about getting you on here, especially with your schedule opening up and some of the other things that hush hush that being the wraps for you. But I knew that once the campaign season was over. I was going to have to get you on here. And when we talked, when you told me, like, what about after the draft? I was like, that's a match made in heaven. And then you were like, that'd be a perfect time to look ahead to free agency. I'm like, this this guy gets it. This guy gets it and he gets me. And that's why you get a, almost a constant, consistent spot on this show. Um, and unfortunately, Jordan, Mr. ATL, player development could not be on tonight. Um we're thinking about you, but he's going to be back on this weekend. But we have a treat with Allen. We're, we're really excited about what's taking place in Atlanta. But before we talk about the Hawks draft specifically, what were your takeaways from the draft? Whether it's biggest loser, biggest winner, biggest reach, any takes that you have on what occurred last night? So I guess first impressions were that you, we had a lot of trigger happy GMs. Uh, they, they have been waiting for months to start letting some deals fly and we we saw you know a good amount leading up to the draft a surprising lack of trades uh, at the top um and sort of through the middle and then you know a flurry of deals through the end but i mean when the draft was over and you all the dust settled and plenty of stuff happened today too these gms are are ready (laughs) they they have they know exactly where they want to go with it um so, but let's let's talk big uh, losers, winners of the draft. A uh, big winner, uh, besides the Atlanta Hawks, which I will defend. I, I think that was uh, they they won by a good margin uh, last night. I think they made the right calls uh, on their draft picks. But we'll start off with the uh, I like the Sacramento Kings draft. I like what they did uh, getting securing Tyrese Halliburton, uh, a guy that I know that you were really really high on. I, I'm pretty high on myself. Uh, he was. Uh, Angling to get himself to Sacramento and playing alongside De'Aaron Fox, which is a really nice fit for him. So I really like that selection they made there. I think the 76ers did some pretty impeccable stuff last night in reshaping yes. their team overnight. That They're probably my biggest winners, mostly just because of the trades as well. I, I love their pick, Tyrese Maxey, at 21. He was the guy that I was had the Hawks traded down. He was someone that I was really interested uh, in perhaps – acquiring at that range like i don't know 16 17 or whatever but 21 was i thought a pretty decent drop off for him who's i think he's a guy who will definitely beat that that draft range when we all see how these players develop over time he reminds me a lot of kyle lowry just a really hard-nosed defender really crafty and capable of getting himself to the bucket he's uh gonna work really well in philly playing alongside uh all their pieces there and just in general i mean like dumping off of Horford's contract and Josh Richardson's contract, two guys who are good players, but did not fit at all in what they were doing. They've really cleaned things up. Seth Curry is an impeccable three point shooter and he's going to thrive starting there. Danny green is a crucial guy for any championship run. As we have seen over the last couple of seasons might be angling to go for his fourth ring with his fourth team. Perhaps Hmm. we'll see how that, uh, how that develops. I guess a big loser would be Elton Brand because dudes, <laughs> everything he did the year before was wiped out by Maury in one night, basically. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like that take. I really like that take right there. <laughs> so, I like and I like Elton Brand too, but uh, clearly Maury came in to reorganize some things for sure. 
And honestly, I'm not really high on uh, Anthony Edwards at number one. I'm not going to say that the Wolves are, are losers because of that, but of the night. I, I was thinking that they were going to end up going with LaMelo Ball, who a lot of people are, are, are convinced is going to wind up being the best prospect in this draft. And, you know, I can totally see it with the size and the, the, the gifted passing ability. But with Edwards, you know, red flags aside with all those comments he made the other day, his play style just, I, I don't know if, the, if what Minnesota needed was just another scoring wing, sort of similar to Malik Beasley and what he offered for their team last year. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely got tremendous talent and tremendous physical gifts. You know, if he does end up blossoming into a, a, a star player, uh, then you, he's going to compliment Cat really well. But, I, you know, I think we all have questions about that. So that's that one's a little iffy to me. Uh, what about you? Who was a who was a big winner for you or a big loser on the night? So outside, obviously, Atlanta Hawks. I agree with the sentiments about the Hawks, and we'll get into that. I said that the biggest winner when I recorded with Corbin and Lawrence. Shout out Corbin and Lawrence as well. Great show yesterday. I said that the biggest winners, in my opinion, were the Kings, as you mentioned as well, for the same reason. And I had to go to the San Antonio Spurs getting Devin mm-hmm. Vassell, uh, getting Devin Vassell on your roster after. Phoenix reached a little bit who I, I like Jalen Smith as well, uh, but I liked him later in the teens, early 20s. So that was a pretty big reach as far as the Phoenix Suns. But I see what they're trying to do there. And I defended that on the program. But I really like Devin Vassell as the most efficient player in, in the draft, a really good defender, can shoot the three really well. And he's underratedly clutch and an underrated passer as well. So I think he'll really fit well with the guards they already have in place in San Antonio. As DeMar DeRozan pretty much has one foot in, one foot out at this mm-hmm. point. And that's yet to be seen with obviously the oncoming days if there are deals to be made coming out of San Antonio and there's rumblings that some big things are coming out of San Antonio as far as in the front office. So we can see as far as Marcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan, but I really like getting Devin Vassell and a, a big loser for me. I said on the other show that I recorded the Knicks, but that was before they drafted Emmanuel quickly. And I do like that as far as them getting a guard and a, a proven leader there. So I'm going to remove the Knicks from that conversation as losers. And after an offline conversation with you about the Obi Toppin fit, I'm, I'm starting to see things in a new light. But I'm going to go with the T-Wolves as well. And then outside of Edwards at number one, who I thought that reasonably outside of LaMelo Ball that they should have taken Edwards, because obviously Wiseman wasn't going to be a fit there with Cat already in place. But a lot of their draft picks just have some question marks. They have potentially high ceilings, but some issues as far as commitment, focus, drive, like little things that some things are just embedded in you as a competitor, as an athlete. But there's some question marks as as going back to Anthony Edwards. One of the things that I talked about this on on the last program was I wanted to see when Anthony Edwards got drafted with the passing of his mother and grandmother, unfortunately, at the age of 14, who was in the room when he got drafted? And it seemed like a lot of homeboys, some uncles. And I just need to see with a guy who seems like he has his eggs in so many baskets, but he's good at basketball and that's what he got drafted to do. And that's what Mm -hmm. he's going to Minnesota to do. Who is that voice of reason? Who is that, that voice of wisdom, guidance in his circle that is going to point him in the right direction and keep his head on straight because you can't always rely on your teammates because they're responsible for their own games, their own families and their own paychecks. 
So that's what I really wanted to see there. So if mm-hmm. he can really buy in some of the other players like Jaden McDaniels, who I've talked about, who has a big maturity issue that he has to work through having five, six t- technical fouls as a freshman in the Pac-12 last year. That's pretty alarming. And I know it kind of turned a lot of the executives off, even though he is immensely talented as a four or five who can shoot mid-range, shoot the three. He has a great face-up game as a forward so it's there's a lot of players with a lot of upside, but if they can rein the other intangibles in between the ears, then on top of player development in Minnesota, it can push them in the right direction as a franchise. Because they already have some cornerstone pieces in Beasley, who they decided to bring back this year, Cat and obviously D'Lo. Yeah, no, there is a lot of hidden potential, I think, in this draft. And I think it's what's made it so fun is that you didn't, you can't make an art when it, after you get past the first three, there was just so few arguments to make for one guy ultimately developing, you know, into some type of star player over another. Like, you know, you had four through, I don't know, 15 or 16 had like a sort of like the same sort of mixed bag of floors and ceilings. Mm-hmm. And then everything past that, you like there's role players based off of all the research that, you know, we've been reading up on. I'm not gonna pretend like I'm a draft guy. I don't, I don't watch enough college ball. And even if I did, I don't think I would know what I would be looking for <laughs> like in evaluating <laughs> NBA players. But like from all these, you know, really these people that I, I consider to be really smart and I trust, uh, there's just so much hidden upside in those second round picks to undrafted guys this past season that could develop into role players. I saw some people talking about how this could be one of the deepest undrafted free agent classes uh, of all time, which is yeah. a, a pretty lofty claim. Um, but it, it remains to be seen if the, the narrative around this draft holds up that this is just it's a flat draft and that it goes deep in ways that you wouldn't expect. It, it, we could have, find some interesting gems popping up all across the league. So, yes, yes, remains, I, to, remains to be seen. I 100 percent agree with that. And I think we got one of those gems on our team in the second round who I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, and we'll talk more specifically about last night's draft selections by the Hawks. Especially on Yaka Onkangwu, who seemingly have Hawks fans split on his selection, but it, it sent ripple effects throughout this team. And ironically, the ripple effect hit something as far as Dwayne Dedman being traded after drafting on Yaka Onkangwu last night, who we'll get into later in the show, obviously, with our thoughts on him. And that was one of my first thoughts that came to mind as well once we drafted him was, okay, what's going to happen with Deadman? I mean, he's owed $13 million. That's a lot of money for his skill set and obviously the level of player that he is. I mean, he's not a bad player by any stretch, but you don't really want to be tied to him long term, especially with the young forwards and centers that you have on this roster now who are more of a fit with what they're trying to do. And it's just funny that I was writing my notes for this show, talking Deadman be traded, and lo and behold, Shams came onto my notifications, and he announced the trade. And so, for people who do not know, Dwayne Deadman was traded to Detroit for Tony Snell and Kyrie Thomas, and ultimately, they already announced through the Atlanta General Constitution uh, that Kyrie Thomas will be waived by the Atlanta Hawks. And I think getting Dwayne Dedman off the books for this year for a player in Snell whose contract will be up next year as well. And it adds some depth to the wing position. And as well as it frees up some space in the front court after drafting a Kongwu, signing Nathan Knight to a two-way deal. 
Although Deadman can stretch the floor, he has not really been as efficient as a shooter in the last couple of years. And like I said, Snell's on an expiring contract for $12.2 million. Kyrie Thomas has a protected $744,000 of a $1.7 million with balance guaranteed on November 22nd. But he will be waived as it was reported by Sarah Spencer of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, as I alluded to before. This definitely helps both teams. This was definitely a money deal. Uh, Tony Snell was famously known on Twitter for once putting up a stat line in 28 minutes where he literally did nothing. I mean, statistically, he did nothing. It was basically cardio. He's out there running. But all jokes aside, the Hawks will get a player who can play the two, the three, and sometimes the four. He did a little bit of the four in Detroit at times, and he has playoff experience with the Bulls and and the Bucks. Shot 40% from three last year, can defend some. And it, like I said, he's basically depth at the wing position for this year as his contract expires. And I expect him to get some minutes on his team. So what is your thoughts on this trade, getting rid of Deadman and te- bringing in Tony Snell? So let's start with Snell, who uh, is definitely, you know, it was a money deal too. But I think that there was, I think Snell is actually a really good fit on what this team's trying to do. And he's not going to be the, the piece that ultimately uh, brings us to the playoffs. <laughs> but he... You know, you mentioned uh, the, the key component right there, 40% shooter from three. He's a terrific catch-and-shoot three-pointer. He commands very little usage. He does not put the ball on the floor at all. He, on offense, he really just goes in, gets himself, moves himself into position for open threes and knocks them down at, at a pretty good, decent clip. And defensively, he's always been solid. That's kind of been his calling card. I mean, you look at his career stats, you'll see that, he started what over half of his games played in the NBA, but he's never, but he career averages below seven points per game, two rebounds and assist. He's just kind of an intangibles guy. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. He's well-traveled. He's played a while in the league and he's, I think that he makes a lot of sense for the Hawks off their bench. It's just a really low usage, reliable wing that can, you can, will be, the Hawks will be able to siphon a couple threes out of every single game. And uh, he won't get beat. That's that's the big thing. He's not going to get beat by uh, his man. He's not going to get beat on switches. He's just going to be just a, a security blanket, you know. So, really good to get at that money for one year too. It's a solid grab. Yeah. Um, I knew that Deadman was ultimately going to be on his way out. I thought that he might start the season on the team though, just because I think that the Hawks are going to want a veteran backup center behind Capella. And this kind of leads into the larger discussion about uh, how I envision Okungwu's role next year. I mean, clearly, as the roster stands right now, Okungwu is probably going to get minutes over Bruno Fernando, uh, permitted that his toe heals up uh, in time for him to get reps with the team, which you know might set him back a bit. Maybe Fernando starts the season as the primary backup center. But if we're talking about a team that's going to be making their their first foray into the playoffs this year, it, it can't be understated that you need competent veterans who know the NBA game that you can put into situations where they won't just get crushed by, by, by schemes and by, by being targeted and just, they just need to be competent defenders. Rookies are bad at defense on every level, point yeah. guards, wings, bigs, all of it. And Okungu's calling card is defense. It remains to be seen what kind of defender he'll be in the NBA in his first season, but the learning curve is pretty steep for big men. Uh, to guard, especially nowadays. Um, so in my mind, the Hawks are, I, I thought that Deadman would make sense as sort of 
maybe being a guy you ship out midseason, have him take help in the mentoring process of Okungwu, teach him some things. Uh, he's a great locker room guy by all accounts. I love you know Dwayne Dedman. I think he's a, a really stellar backup center when he can stay healthy. And it would have been nice to have a vet to come in for Capella when he goes out for, for his breaks to just go in the game and not get beat on defense. There might be another big on this roster before too long. Maybe it's a small free agent addition. Maybe it's a midseason trade, depending on where the Hawks are in the standings. Um, but, you know, ultimately not totally surprised, maybe uh, slightly caught off guard by how quick it went down. But it, it's the right move for Atlanta. And it definitely positions them pretty clearly for how they're going to target this offseason. I 100% agree. It caught me off guard a little bit as well as how quick this move was made. But I want to challenge, maybe not your thinking, but maybe challenge Hawks fans thinking that maybe this move was made because I kind of foresee a big jump from year one to year two for Bruno Fernando. And Mm -hmm. maybe the Hawks see it as well. Maybe he is going to get more minutes. Maybe he worked a lot on defensive awareness on the offseason. And especially with Clint Capella coming in and then potentially working out together and whatnot and what Clint can teach from his experience in the league and some of his shortcomings with Bruno Fernando being a little more athletic than Capella. Ultimately, they're kind of the same, in my opinion. But I feel like maybe that is something that we don't know behind the scenes. Maybe they really have a lot of faith in Bruno Fernando. And it, they knew that Dwayne Dedman was going to be on the way out, especially with the fact that and they're not holding it against them, that he wasn't at bubble minicamp this offseason. He wasn't there. He was still in you know California with his family. And we're not going to knock being with your family. But Bruno being here in Atlanta working, Capella being here in Atlanta working, Collins obviously here. He's always working on his game. I mean, they couldn't get him out of the arena from what I heard. But maybe what they saw in pre-draft workouts and what they've seen from a Congo on film lend to them saying that, you know what, we can make this move now. And I 100% agree. I feel like another center will somehow come onto this roster or forward that could help out in the rotation with some tenure. And maybe it's Serge Ibaka. I know he's asking for some pretty decent coin and we'll maybe touch on that when we talk about free agency but maybe it is Sergio Baca maybe there's someone else that we're not thinking about but really really great points that you made as far as what's going to happen in the front court we know who's the starters but behind them is yet to be seen and how the minutes are going to be broken up and we did sign a two-way player undrafted rookie that plays center and maybe they see a lot in him and maybe he worked on some things. We'll touch a little, a little bit more on that. But for now, we're going to talk about the elephant in the room. We're doing this episode kind of like a Quentin Tarantino movie. We're, <laughs> we, we started with the present. We're going to the past. We're going to talk about the future. We're, we're jumping around. But this kid can definitely jump. Oyeka Okongwu, in my opinion, is the best big in this draft. Especially Agreed. defensively. Especially defensively. I think Wiseman's going to come in a little bit better offensively. And I know a lot of people compare him to Chris Bosch and with his ability to shoot his sweet shooting stroke, his ability to shoot jumpers. And I've seen a lot of film of him, you know, consistently knocking down threes. He's going to come in and make a great impact on that Warriors team. And I wish him all the best, but I'm really excited that we got a Congo here. Very athletic, has a skill set to be a good defender day one from the four or five position. And he has good enough feet to, maybe sometimes switch on to threes in his league, can guard the pick and roll very well at his size. And I think that he will continue to develop a better shot, as Travis Schlenk alluded to and a lot of other analysts have alluded to. His touch 
that he's shown, especially from the free throw line, being a 74 percent free throw shooter in college and having the jumper that he had in college at times. If he can expand his range, it will only further raise his ceiling. And this comment is extended to Skylar Mays as well. Both are high character guys, which they they very much value here in this organization. And Okongwu definitely is a high character guy, hard worker. I think they'll both be really great cultural fits for this team, as no one on this team, as far as referring to the Hawks, will shy away from work. No one does. They're all willing to work and get better. And I think that's why I really have grown to like this team and covering them is that they're not afraid to work because they know the moment is coming and playoffs are looming for this team. So you're going to have to put the work in now to be successful later on when you get to the playoffs. And so back to Okongwu, Travis Schlenk was high on him. They said that about 36 hours roughly before the draft, they saw a real possibility in grabbing him and he happened to fall to Atlanta. And as upset as I was that Okoro went fifth to Cleveland and I wish him all the luck in Cleveland. I really wanted Isaac Okoro here. When I saw that we got Okongwu potentially in our grasp, I was really excited to see that we we got him because day one, I think he's going to come in and really help on the defensive end. And as I alluded to how we're seemingly trying to structure this team like the old Allen Iverson 76ers teams with a bunch of big, tough nose, great defenders, people who can shoot around Allen Iverson. And that Allen Iverson team got to the 2001 NBA finals with the famous shot over Tyron Lue with and the step over for Allen Iverson. I feel like that team is kind of in the same mold, but we're going to, we're adding more shooting where we have the interchangeable people in the front court, as far as defending really crucial in today's game. So I like the pick. I know a lot of people are kind of split on it as fans that maybe thought Tyrese Halliburton or the cell or someone else, but I am going to defend this pick to the death. I think is a great pickup. Alan, I know you echo the sentiments, but I want to hear exactly why you echo those sentiments so that the Hawks fans can maybe internalize it and maybe have a change of heart on this selection. So here's the clearest argument that I can make for a Kungwu over any of these other prospects who, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, there's plenty of debate to be had about which guy has the highest ceiling. I think that Okongwu was not just even the best center available. He was the best center available in the entire draft. I happen to think that he was the best player at that point. I think that he has the highest upside based off of the the rare skill sets that he brings to the table as this versatile defender as the 6'9 big man. The philosophy in my if based off of that, it seems like Schlenk's philosophy in this draft was to go best player available. Worry about the fit later. Everyone I imagine the arguments against this trade is you have John Collins and you have Clint Capella. Why do you need another big man? Like where like, you know, why aren't we getting a guy like Devin Fassell who could play minutes next year? Like he could uh or Tyrese Halliburton, like you mentioned, he could, you know, he could start alongside Trey, be the secondary creator for the future. Well, the Hawks are trying to make the playoffs this year. They're building for the future, but they're also building for right now. This is a team that has a mandate on every level from the star player, Trey Young. He said it. Head coach Lloyd Pierce. He said it. Front office people. They've said it. It's, it's all out there. Everyone is all in on this team. And rookies aren't going to get you to the playoffs. We've, we've seen it over the last couple of seasons. These just aren't, if you're going to start building for now. You need to, if you're building for now and for the future, you should be taking best players available, but these guys aren't going to be coming in next season and just start like dominating these. That's not this type of draft class. Yes. Yeah. For, for, for why I think Okungu is the best player in this draft. I think it's the, it's the defensive versatility for me that really stands out. I think that 
in today, it, particularly for building a team around Trey Young, who we all know what his greatest weaknesses are, as well as we do his greatest strengths. You need guys who can defend multiple positions all across the roster. The, the four other guys on that floor, at a minimum, should not be able to defend their guy. It would not hurt if they have an ability to switch onto other dif- multiple different defenders. And Okungwu's ability to guard the pick and roll, uh, the ability to hedge out and get get on these perimeter players is it's hard to find in the NBA. The list is not very long of big men who are who profile as just these kind of switchable bigs. I mean, everyone likes to make the Bam Adebayo comparison for that reason. That's a really tough skill to come by in the NBA. You can look in this free agent class too. There is no bigs who can offer that type of defensive skill set. A Kungwu can grow into something unique. And he offensively, I think the fit is is totally fine. You know, I know that he doesn't have much of a shot yet, but in a Trey Young offense as a big man, as long as you can catch a lob or you can hit, position yourself in the post to get an easy bucket, like that's all you need to do for for right now. If you the, yeah. the shot could come later, and we like you, you mentioned the touch at the free throw line, seventy two percent from a big man is is pretty good. Um, you know, he's got the mechanics there to uh, space himself out a little bit. He doesn't have to be hitting threes to space the floor. You know, by the way, I think he has a decent mid range jumper. From, from the tape that I've seen, I just, he, you're, he's a perfect pick for both building for the future because of that potential as his two-way star where he could defend multiple positions and he could expand his offense to hire out. He's a great rim runner right now. He's just, he has so much to offer. And when I looked at all the prospects that were available at number six, I, I don't think any of them quite fit the bill in terms of just potential star, like the avenues to stardom that I can see with Okungwu. And one other thing too, about his fit with Collins and Capella, going back to like, you know, don't expect this 19 year old kid to come in and start averaging 16 and 10, like he did in college. Capella's got seven years on him. When Capella gets to the end of this contract, he'll be like, what, 29 or 30. Mm-hmm. Um, Okungwu will be like, Okungwu will be 22. That's, that's really <laughs> young. Obi Toppin's 22 right now. For reference, like John Collins is 22 right now. That's a long time away. The the, the Hawks, in, in, that's in the scenario that Capella plays out his whole contract here. You don't need to be drafting these rookies under the assumption that they need a logical fitting in the starting lineup, especially in this draft. I think that it, it's totally justifiable to take a guy who he's absolutely going to be down in the rotation, give him some time to adjust to the NBA game, hone those skills that make him unique, and then we'll see where we are a couple of years from now. I don't think it'll be that hard to trade off Capella. I mean, if if it comes to that, where a Kungu just proves himself to be this guy who should be in the starting lineup. And I know I'm taking a long time with this, but ultimately I I think that the the last point is that you just always draft for best available players. And I think that that really is a Kungu at this spot, regardless of how you feel about any of these other guys. I think that he's going to be a solid NBA player at worst. I couldn't have said it better myself, Alan. I could have not said it better myself. And you kind of alluded to it's kind of like the bridge between the present and the future as far as at the five, just like what Golden State did bridging, you know, with their franchise, having a young, talented player at the five kind of be with the older core that they have. Not like us. We have a young core here in Atlanta. They have an older core in Golden State. And it kind of bridges that gap that even though you have these older players and get well, Clay Thompson, I want to throw that out there. Please get well. That that was very mm-hmm. disheartening to hear about that. Really, really bummed me out. 
really bummed me out. Really, I mean, like, I was waiting to watch Clay come back like this year in particular because I, I don't know. I root for the Warriors. They're kind. Of, I don't like dislike any of their guys, and yeah, especially not. They're all great people. Yeah, they're all great people, great competitors, and as much as people hated to see them keep winning and winning and winning, I mean, that's that's a, that's it's amazing. I mean, it, it, people take for granted greatness and and winning. They take for granted LeBron. They take for granted the Warriors, and they were almost going to be back to maybe make a challenge and a push down in the West with the Lakers, obviously, who just wanted won it all. But that was a real big blow. But there's still moves to be made for the Warriors there. But but as far as their older core in Wiseman, as they continue to go older, they're at least going to have someone who is going to get experience, hardened playoff experience, winning experience with Steph Curry, with Klay Thompson whenever he comes back, Draymond, who's going to help him, Wiseman on the defensive end. And he's going to be a piece, I think, for years to come in Golden State because of what he provides in his youth. Same thing for Okongwu. But for fortunately for us, we have a younger core, so he kind of fits with our timeline. But with Capella being a little bit older and the contract that he has, and ultimately, if like you said, if Okongwu can outplay Capella, we have our guy for the future at the five already. We have multiple guys who are young at the five that will continue to push Capella to continue to be better. So I think we're ultimately going to get more out of Capella, but he's going to bring and give a lot to these two young guys and Fernando and a Kongwu. And I think, like I said, the competition in practice is going to breed confidence. It's going to bring confidence in their game and their minutes. And we're going to see a really lively front court here in Atlanta. And I really, really like that. I really like that. And I think that's why we traded Deadman. Deadman was out of guy out in that scenario as far as what the Hawks are trying to do going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to take us too far off of our schedule, but I do have a question for you because I've seen, I've seen allusions to this and I don't know if I buy into this notion because I don't think Okungwu is capable at this point of filling this role, but do you see the selection of Okungwu as any type of insurance policy? If the John Collins contract negotiations go South, uh, because because people have alluded to the fact that if Okungwu, because of his size, he's only six nine. If he does develop a shot, there is room for him to finagle his way into playing power forward. I mean, that uh, defensive ability, he can guard all sorts of different fours in the NBA. I, and again, to be clear, this is it would be completely illogical to play him at the four this year because he doesn't have that shot. It, like offensively, it wouldn't make sense. But do you think there's any credence to that? I got to do the Jalen Rose again mm, because that point I thought about that too. I thought about it when researching and watching film on Okongwu leading up to the draft. I thought about it like if if Colin somehow we don't extend him and he doesn't accept the deal and he makes himself a free agent, Okongwu will be wonderful at filling that four position. And you're absolutely right because some people are like yeah he doesn't have the shot yet. The touch is there. He's hit jumpers in college. We've seen it on film. And Collins was kind of a similar player coming out of, out of college. And yeah. he expanded his range and to be a 40% three-point shooter. So it's not a stretch. I mean, we're not going to compare apples to apples. I mean, they're different players, different timelines and whatnot. But that should give Hawks fans some confidence that if that were to happen, Okongwu can do it. And I think Okongwu will end up being a better defender than John Collins. Oh, definitely. So, 
So in, in that breath, if, if he happens to not sign long term with us or we don't extend it, uh, offer it to him, if something happens, I agree that Okongwu can do it. You, I agree with you, not this year yet. He needs to learn. He needs to play a year in the NBA and continue to work on some of those other intangibles like shooting, maybe even a little bit more foot speed. But he already has really good feet mm. entering the league. So I, I can see it. I can definitely see it. And I and I like how you throw that out there. See, that's why my friend, you hear that audience, my <laughs> friend, Alan, and he continued to add, add stuff to this program. So we're going to talk about the next pick, the second round pick. I'm really excited to talk about him. A Bayou Bengal from the boot, baby. LSU, baby. Whoo! I, I know that your Georgia fans ain't going to like this, but it's OK. I'm so happy I got this. We got this kid. Former LSU Tiger. Go Tigers. In the words of Coach O, all he did when he was at LSU was lead by example. When it was late game situations and the ball was in Skyler Mesh's hands, he was going to make the right play. He was going to execute the pick and roll. He was going to get his shot. He hit a lot of big shots. He hit a couple game winners at LSU. He's a winner. He's a leader. He is smart, high character guy. And like I said, he back to his smartness. On and off the court, the kid was pre-med student, switched to pre-kinesiology, and graduated LSU with a 3.9 GPA. Smart kid. <laughs> and that I and that IQ and that smarts translates on the court. He always makes the right reads. He always makes the right plays. And even though he can gamble a lot, which is one of the things as far as on a defensive end, he could get out of position because he'll gamble for steals. When you look at the numbers, he doesn't really gamble bad like he doesn't miss bad often on that on that end of the floor so you're going to get a two-way player combo guard in him clutch performer like i said can shoot the three with a 39 uh three-point shooter last year at, at lsu and he had the ball a lot in his hands so when you have the ball a lot in your hands and you still shoot above 35 percent from three I, I always see that as a plus because I know a lot of people can look at Trey Young's three-point shooting percentage and see, they see all the threes that he takes and like, oh, he should be better. He should be at 40 if he's said great. But with all that he has to do, initiating offense, doing running the pick and roll, to still be able to shoot above 35% is really good. And we need to challenge that thinking in people personally. But like I said, he can run the pick and roll very effectively. Scott Mays, in fact, he was one of the best in college basketball to do that. And, and that's a big element of our offense here in Atlanta. Decent on-ball defenders, as I alluded to, can get steals, can play off the ball as well because he ha- he can catch and shoot, especially from the corners, extremely well, extremely high clip. So I think he will fit very, very well with this team. And I think him being a tenured basketball player, I think he'll come in potentially day one and compete for playing time, especially with the quick turnaround with his season. He's kind of more se- like season vet. As far as his skill set, he still will need to have the learning curve of being in the NBA. But I can see him potentially having a Jalen Brunson impact day one as Jalen Brunson came into the league and established himself as the backup point guard in Dallas. And when you need to put him in a starting lineup, he's going to go in. He's not going to lose you games. He's always going to make the right read. He's already going to hit timely shots within the offense, within the flow. And that's the type of guy that Skyler Mays is. So high character guy, smart guy, comes from a great family. He was spurred and motivated by the death of their teammate at LSU. And that kind of changed his trajectory and made him work even harder. He's an extremely hard worker in Atlanta. You should be really proud to have him. I think he's going to compete for minutes right away. That's uh, an incredible synopsis. I could not have said any of it better myself. Um, like I said, I'm not a draft guy. 
I, I did a lot of these second round guys, you know, I researched them, uh, you know, a good bit, but I was never able to get to Skylar Mays. So uh, I've been relying a lot on the analysis of the people I trust. And you, sir, are absolutely one of those people I trust because of your LSU fandom. I know you're watching these games and everything that you said about Skylar Mays and what he can bring to the table has got me excited. I love like just the intangibles, like that he's a he's a six four combo guard. It's a position of need for the Hawks. That he's capable of doing some ball, some uh, some playmaking. I like that every year. Every year he improved on his efficiency um, on two pointers and three pointers. He just profiles as that he's a high character guy cannot be discounted. It's a theme with uh, I think it's just a theme with all the picks that Travis Schlenk has made because all the Hawks players of the last three four seasons that they have drafted they all are active in the community. They all are, see, just seem like really stand-up guys who have their priorities straight and really just want to just want a ball. Yes. Um, and, and so I, I can see that the, the cultural fit is absolutely going to be there. Uh, pre-med uh, and, you know, a basketball star four years at LSU, that's two things that he did that I could never dream of. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I have tons of respect for him. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. And yeah, man, uh, you, you have uh, you've sold me more than anyone on the potential that he could bring here. And, and get, remember, keep in mind, 50th pick in, in the draft, typically not a place where you find role players. But this draft is a little different. Uh, there, there's there's a there's chances that Mays could find himself in this rotation a year or two down the line. I agree. And I think that he's going to embrace the city of Atlanta and fans are going to just love him. He's going to just be that guy that, man, man I just love Skylar Mays. Like he is just that, that, that guy, like he has that presence about him. And I know Travis Schlenk, I like, liked his IQ, likes his body type uh, and his fit for this team. So I loved him at LSU. Uh, just, just, I just knew that when he had the ball, he was going to make the right play and just a big time player, big time player, a lot of heart. And we need more of those players, on this roster, not like we don't have them, but the more that you have them on your team, the better quality team that you're going to have personality wise and on the court as well when it comes to play. And last but not least, we're going to talk about the undrafted free agent signing of Nathan Knight. Hawks signed Nathan Knight after after the NBA draft concluded as an undrafted rookie on a two way contract, 6'10", 253 pound center from William and Mary, according to Peachtree Hoops, was very productive in his four years. In college, averaging 23.2 points per game, 10.2 rebounds per game, 2.4 blocks per game, and 36 minutes per game. He's one of the best passing big men in the draft, possesses more of a back-to-the-basket type game, but still shot 31% from three his senior year which on four attempts, which he continually tried to work on and improve throughout his college career. And anybody who's willing to work on their biggest weaknesses is a guy that I would love to have on, their, on my team. Uh, very decorated collegiate player. Uh, Peachtree Hoops labels his strengths as his physicality in the paint, shooting mechanics, especially from mid-range, with the potential to even get better from three, as he showed improvement throughout his college career. Great feet in the paint. That leads to some really good post moves and efficiency around the rim. Can handle the ball some, especially as a big, to create for himself. His weaknesses, though, are defined as his foot speed, a little stiff at times, and Peachtree Hoops thought that he may not be a great fit here because they think that he'd probably be better in a more slower pace system, contrary to what one we have here in Atlanta, the fifth fastest pace in the league. Plays more below the rim, drew comparisons to Zebo, which I love Zebo as a player. So um, if we can find a, find a way to make him work, we'll definitely make him work, especially as a two-way contract. No high risk, but potentially high reward. So 
sometimes has trouble defending in space because of the foot speed and lends him to foul. So he did get into some foul trouble at times in college. And although his game may not necessarily translate to the Hawks style of play, but it doesn't mean that he cannot adjust. He cannot develop. And as a two-way player, you're, you're going to have a lot of time to develop and grow your game, playing G League games and developing confidence and working on your weaknesses and excelling at the G League. So hopefully you have an opportunity to play in the big leagues here at the State Farm Arena here in Atlanta. So I'm excited to see his growth and the work that he puts in in his game. Hopefully he sees the court and he's definitely some depth. I know you have your take on this undrafted rookie in Nathan Knight. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you the floor, Alan. Yeah, no, it's uh, you know, I, I had to, uh, I had to start digging a little bit around it once the news broke today, because I, I was not as brushed up as I'd like to be, but everything you said is right on the money. He kind of profiles as this classic throwback big man. You know, he's got, the, the, the physical tools like he, he's just, he's just solidly built he I like that he has this clean mechanics on his shot so that there's just room for improvement there um, you know I, re- I read a little bit about how he has some decent handling skills so that he can maybe work his way down at the post or be able to free himself up for maybe a, a shot create his own shot and the, the thing that's obviously the most exciting is that is that passing ability you throw that in with all the the physical intangibles and that, that potential stroke, then you're talking about a guy who could make it in the NBA. I mean, it sounds like you're, you're describing Nikola Jokic, which I'm not making that comp, but slow footed, you know, large guy. I mean, it's, I think uh, Nathan Knight is a little more athletic than, uh, than Jokic. I'm, I'm willing to wager, um, but like good vision, just like I, I, you like that type of uh, profile for, uh, especially out of an undrafted uh, rookie. So, I mean, I, I figure that the slow-footed nature of his game, that he does sort of seem like he's a, a few years too late, kind of that throwback big uh, style that I alluded to. Perhaps that's why he fell out of the top 60, but there's totally nothing wrong with taking a flyer on a guy that has all these different elements that could make him a, a, a useful player in the NBA. Uh, we'll, we'll see how, how things pan out. You know, if he if he's playing many minutes for the Hawks this season, then I mean, nothing against Knight, but that probably means that something's wrong. <laughs> like, we might be down a body or two, considering the depth that we have at, at center now with Capella and Okungwu and, and Fernando. But love having him uh, in the wings. Be excited to see what he can do in training camp and what kind of an impression he can make. I'm excited. And like I said, it's not really high risk because of contractually, but potentially high reward. And even though back to the basket is kind of out of style, you alluded to Jokic and his effectiveness, man, if he could, (laughs) man, if if he could have that potential uh, impact on this team, man, man, I'm not trying to say that he's Jokic or anything, but uh, I do believe Jokic went in the second round. All right. Like, you know, let's, uh, let's have some optimism over here. He could, uh, you know, you'll never know. Obviously, this show, we try to be positive. We try to be optimistic. And this is a very positive episode because I think it's a consensus. We love what we did in the draft this year. We love what we did. We love clearing up cap space and putting ourselves in position to be competitive in free agency, which starts tomorrow. So the Hawks will quickly shift their focus. We're going to talk about some potential targets for the Hawks after this quick plug for my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? 
because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%, just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some in the words of future like i said earlier free band free band all right and we are back hopefully you guys love the promo go check out my bookie today for sunday for saturday any games games are coming the nba is going to be back in a little over a month get my bookie today don't play around with this all my homies have my bookie anyway back to the conversation at hand Free agent targets after the trade today and Hawks waiting Thomas, according to at ATL Hawks fanatic, he did the research. Shout out to you. The Hawks will have about 44 million cap room going into the offseason, which will make them very competitive in the market this year as far as contracts that they can offer to potential free agents. The Hawks have made a decision not to tender qualifying offers to Charlie Brown Jr., Scowler Bissier, which was a surprise to me because he was at Bubble Minicamp, but we'll get back to that a little later. Damian Jones and DeAndre Bembry. For the Hawks, going forward, the Hawks have to spend money to fill out their roster, but they have the money, the cash money, to potentially lure some talent to fill some needs that are on this team. So I'm going to list off some potential free agents, and then I'm going to kick it to Allen and see your thought process. We're going to have a little bit of an open discussion, open forum on this, on who's going to be more of a realistic choice for us and who's not and who we're not thinking of. So the the, the, the targets that I have on paper right now are Bogdan Bogdanovich, which I can't wait till we have that conversation, <laughs> Fred Van Fleet, Gordon Hayward, Davis Bertans, Danilo Gallinari, Rajon Rondo, Garrett Temple, Quinn Cook, Alfred Payton. So with that, where do you want to start off at, Alan? The, the world is your oyster, man. As a friend, my friend of the program, we, you get to pick where we start off in this uh, free agent conversation. Well, the fun conversation has nothing to do with the Hawks, and that's the whole Bogdan Bogdanovich situation, um, <laughs> which could it could have something to do with the Hawks if he's legitimately going to be in the free agent market. Um, of course, you know, if if you are unaware, uh, Bogdanovich was a part of a sign-in trade agreed upon between the Sacramento Kings and Milwaukee Bucks uh, a couple nights before the draft took off, in which just not even 48 hours after the fact, that whole deal fell apart because apparently Bogdanovich did not agree <laughs> to sign with the Bucks. Jillian Edge of the uh, Sacramento Kings Hoopball podcast had a really good point that Perhaps it was some posturing on between the two sides to avoid tampering fines because it, it's impossible for Bogdanovich to have agreed to this sign and trade without the Bucks tampering. 
like, I, I mean, I don't even know how these tampering rules even work anymore because everyone's tampering all damn day. Like, it's just that's what happens in the NBA. But, you know, that that seemed like a lot made a lot of sense to me. Until uh, today, we saw Ursan Ilyasova was waived by the Bucks, who was a part of that trade. And <laughs> so they could put that trade back together. I don't know how the salaries are supposed to work. I don't remember how much Ursan was making. But, you know, the Bucks are kind of thin right now <laughs> after trading the house for Drew Holiday. So I love the fit for Atlanta. <laughs> if we want to get, get involved and move Bogdanovich out of Milwaukee's plans there. I mean, what do you, what do you make of the situation? Obviously, I know that you like the fit in Atlanta like I do. Sorry, this is your podcast. Why am I asking you questions? Like, <laughs> no, no, no. You, you can ask questions. I'm, well, I, I, am, I am not Jacoby from Jalen Jacoby. I am fine with follow-up questions. But what, so what, what happens here? Like, what do you think is going to happen? I think that now they're going to have to just go through the process. I mean, he's a restricted free agent, and they're going to have to just go through the process of him getting offered contracts from teams around the league. And now the Bucks may have to pay a little more out of pocket if they have the means to do it. And I think letting Ilya Vasova go will help that. But they're, I think they're trying to position themselves to make sure they have enough capital to offer to Bogdanovich because the Hawks are going to be very competitive. And I'm sure there's other teams that have cap space that are going to be very competitive in what they offer to Bogdanovich. Because anybody who's anybody would want to render his services. He's okay. a winner at every level. Except for the Kings. Jill, if you listen to this program, I know I said this last night. I apologize. You guys got a really good draft pick. You'll get over this comment. But playing overseas, he's been a winner. And he had a lot of big moments in Sacramento. and And he was a fan favorite. A lot of fans loved Bogdanovich. So why wouldn't we go after him? And I know that the Bucks and everybody else was like, oh, if he came to the Bucks, boom, put them in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're going to have a big success, big success and great lineup, great fit. Be a third, fourth option on a team to hit some big shots, potentially go off on a stretch, hitting threes, setting up teammates as another ball handler. He just offers you so much. And I really hope that this debacle of a trade, which is hilarious, hilarious how, how this happened. Uh, tampering because you know that the the whistleblowers, uh, aka the other teams, definitely blew that whistle to Adam Silver just like they did with CP3 leaving New Orleans, potentially going to the Lakers back then and there. And David Stern, they had to blow the whistle there. But but I digress. I digress. It would have helped out the Pel- the Pels at the time. But I digress. We're not going to talk about it. But they definitely blew the whistle on this situation, and it's just bizarre that this would happen. But it's easy to happen now. Now they're not playing and everything's virtual. It's easy to just pick up the phone if you're Giannis and say, hey, Bogdanovich, you, you want to come play? You want to come play? Um, I, I'm not going to mimic his uh, his uh, accent, but it's easy It's easy to do now. And everyone points to LeBron, points to Rich Paul, points to all these situations where even Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant could be potentially tampering if they happen to make that trade for James Harden to go to Brooklyn and everybody else could have blown a whistle around the league for that. So people are more friendly now in the NBA. It's just what it is. Like it's not these hard barriers that you're a competitor. You're the enemy. I don't, I can't see eye to eye with you. People want to pair up with other great players so they can put the best product on the floor so they can go out and win a championship. And they're trying to go all in in Milwaukee and 
they just kind of stumbled their toe on this. But now that since they stumbled their toe, it opened up the door for teams like the Hawks and others to offer a contract to Bogdanovich to try to render his services to their team. So I really hope that with us clearing up cap space here and having $44 million, we'll be able to potentially get two, at least two players that potentially help this roster now in Atlanta in Lloyd Pierce's third year. And he has an option for the next season up in the air at this point. And with Nate McMillan, even though people don't see drafting on Yeko Kongu as a win-now move, we have win-now money. Mm-hmm. And we can sign some pretty friendly contracts with some of these free agents out here, even if we don't get the best one. And some friendly contracts to still set ourselves up for next free agency period that that's going to be arguably even better than this class. Not arguably, it will be better than this class. Just like next year's draft is going to be a better draft as far as prospects. It's a fact. So we'll see what happens there, but I would love to get Bogdan Bogdanovich. I would love to get an actual backup guard because I know some people say, even though Skyler Mays can play the combo guard, be him being a two guard is probably better. And he's still, like I say, he's still going to be a rookie. So I know Rajon Rondo has been put out there. I know he has preferences to be with the Clippers, but Atlanta could throw some money to him. Alfred Payton, who just didn't get offered by the Knicks to stay there. We could get Alfred Payton as a decent backup point guard and initiate offense as well. Quinn Cook, NBA champion in two different franchises. Who else are you seeing out there? I know Gallinari has been thrown out there. Like the names that I listen, Bertans has been linked to us for a minute. I know Washington's going to try to keep him. And then Gordon Haywood. Outside of Bogdan Bogdanovich, before I pass it to you, ha, Buck, sorry, I just want to throw that out there. That was funny. <laughs> uh, but who, who else are you seeing? <laughs> well, Bogdanovich, just to wrap it up, I mean, just well, simply put, he should be at the top of the free, Hawks free agent uh, targets. If he actually is attainable, he just satisfies so many needs. He'd be a perfect two guard next to Trey, decent defender, great shot getter, gets his own shot aplenty. Uh, he can distribute as well. He does a lot of things that you'd like. So really interested to see how real his free agency will be because the Hawks are a player in the restricted free agency market, I believe. To the the stuff about Rondo, I've been pretty <laughs> vocally against the Rondo move. I, I'm not... The man has not been playing in the regular season for a couple of years now. Like he just, he's just not the right. He, I don't think he's the right fit for our team. I get it because, like, I think, like, you know, the mentorship role with Trey Young, Rondo has a reputation as a, as a as a good defender and a vocal leader. I don't, I don't know why he would want to come here. He's 35 years old. He, I'm sure he's looking for money, a two-year deal, pay him until he's 37. That's that's great. But I don't see him wanting to actually play in Atlanta to be back up to Trey Young. And try and like get and just be here for the the two years where the Hawks are getting themselves off the ground to the playoffs, which to be frank is probably just going to be an eighth or a seventh seed for this season, maybe a sixth seed next season. Like it's going to be a slow build up unless things really start to come together really quickly. And so to that end, with the Rondo thing, I mean, you've mentioned Hawks have been linked to like a ton of different guys. Everybody. And, <laughs> everybody. And, you know, th- this is this is a point that's been made of Brad Roland from Locked on Hawks, who does a really great job breaking this down. And I completely agree with this point it, it, because of the playoff mandate that the Hawks have put out there. And the fact that they have all this money, teams are leveraging the hell out of us to or sorry, agents are to, to try and get their guys more money. Uh, the thing that steps jumps out to me is that all these rumors that you've seen of all these guys that are linked to the Hawks. So many of these reports are from the point of view 
of other teams or other players. It just never strikes me. Like, I don't see what benefit the Hawks would have of leaking this sort of information out to the media if they're going to be just these massive buyers in free agency. There's no real benefit other than to generate clicks and stuff, uh, which I don't think the Hawks are all that interested in. I just, I, I've been very skeptical of a lot of the different linkages. Um, like, the Rondo one has always jumped out to me as not seeming like the right fit for me. Bertans was always an interesting fit just because he's a pretty poor defender. He's a fantastic three-point shooter, but he can really only play the four, and he doesn't offer a whole lot of defensive versatility. It'd be tough to play him and Trey at the same time. So that one's always stepped out as odd to me. Gallinari, for the same reasons, he's a better defender than Bertans is, but sort of, I don't know why he would want to come here because he's not starting. He wouldn't be, I mean, maybe at the three, but that's not really his position anymore. It's just interesting to me. I have not seen any free agent rumors that make a ton of sense to me or that just seem to come from the Hawks' perspective, which has me wondering about the guys who have yet to be named. The, the perhaps, you know, I, perhaps some other players that have recently, like today we saw a flurry of guys have their qualifying offers rescinded or team options denied or player options opted out of. There's a whole slew of new guys to add to the mix that I don't think we've considered yet. And there's some other guys that were, have been a part of the free agent class that we have yet to hear linkages to that I think would be great fits for Atlanta. First and foremost, like I said in the last time I was on the show with you, my, my top guy for the Hawks is DeAnthony Melton, restricted free agent for the Memphis Grizzlies. He is a combo guard, only 6'2", but plays bigger, really strong defender. He's a very capable secondary playmaker. He's not much of a three-point shooter, but he's got good mechanics. He's shooting 75% from the line, so you know that there's potential to increase his output there. I think he's only – he might have been a sub-30% three-point shooter this year. But there's room to grow there. That's the one facet of his game that I'm not – that makes him below the absolute perfect fix for Atlanta. But DeAnthony Melton starting alongside Trey Young or just playing minutes alongside Trey Young – is just is just perfect. He he's just he'd be a hard nosed defender for this team. He'd be a great guy to assign to lead guards. Interestingly enough, you know the last game that I actually got to see in person before the world ended was the Hawks versus the Grizzlies. I just snagged tickets the day of because I wanted to see John Morant. You know what I actually ended up seeing that game? I saw DeAnthony Melton put the clamps down on us. That was a forty point blowout. He didn't, you know, he didn't stuff the box score, but when you watched him out there, he made all the right moves. He knew exactly where to be. Trey did not break the 20-point plane, which is noteworthy because he didn't, that, that did not happen many times last season. In fact, the two games that he played against the Grizzlies, Trey Young did not score 20 points. Both times he fell short of that mark. DeAnthony Melton was guarding him for multiple portions of that game. It was a team effort, but just watching him out there, he stands out. So I love the idea of us going for him. They have the money to do it. I don't know what it would take for the Grizzlies to not match. I saw that Bobby Marks of ESPN, he has this these free agent uh, salary cap projections that he does, and he had Melton around 4 to $6 million, which seems pretty low to me. But I guess that's just under the assumption that the Grizzlies don't have anyone to compete with for services, so they can offer him that. I, the Hawks wanted to jump to 8 to $10 million, I wouldn't be upset at all. I think he'd be worth it annually. You so. def- definitely made a compelling case for him. And uh, if Jordan uh, Boatwright was on the show, he would tell you that d- uh, what Melton offers, we already have on our G League team in Tajir McCall. 
the uh, hashtag call up McCall. And I've talked about it on a program. And I don't know if I talked about his accolades. Uh, I was a graduate assistant at SIUE in the same conference with Tennessee State where Tajir McCall played at. And he was a after transferring from Niagara. The man was a two time first team all conference player in back to back defensive player of the year and has a steals record at Tennessee State. And I know Jordan Bowright said that he when watching his G League games when he was playing with the Long Island Nets, he was one of the best perimeter defenders he's ever seen, ever seen. And that's what we need is a perimeter defender. So for even cheaper and if he continue to work on his shot. We can sign him off of our G League team and put him on a roster purely like a Dort as a defensive guy. And if you continue to work on some other aspects of his game, watch out. I mean, we could already have that on our team consistently. But I, I, I love I like Melton as well. I like the fit as well and what he could do alongside of Trey Young. Uh, quick questions. I know that, you know, time is of the essence and mm-hmm. the versus battle has begun between Jeezy and. And Gucci, Gucci. I'm going with Gucci just with the, if you, you guys were wondering. But <laughs> backup point guard has been a need. Yeah. Garrett Temple, Quinn Cook, potentially. Uh, like both of those. Garrett Temple in particular is a great locker room guy, and he's a good three point shooter. Uh, he would be, I think, he'd be a terrific ad for the Hawks, and he's now an unrestricted free agent, so that's totally in play. And and he feels the need of a vet. We need. I know we need vets on mm-hmm. this team. He feels that need as well. So I, I would love to see another Bayou Bango uh, go to go Tigers in the words of Coach O. I would love to see uh, Garrett Temple on his team or Quinn Cook. Uh, but I think more so Temple than Cook. Nothing against Cook. I love I love his game. I love his grit and I love his motivation, and his drive to continue to excel for his fallen father that he lost in his um, teenage years. But Garrett Temple, I, I, I when I saw that he wasn't going to be brought back. And he was going to be an unrestricted free agent. I was like, I said, that's the guy. That's mm-hmm. the guy. And then Gordon Hayward. I know he's been linked to us. What is your thoughts on Gordon Hayward? That's an interesting one. I mean, what what a week. Because I don't, I don't think anyone's expecting him to be an unrestricted free agent. Especially uh, 34 million. That's a lot million. to leave on the table. Yeah. I, mean, like, like, I mean, James Harden. <laughs> James Harden, 50 mil. And just like I joked on Twitter, Juntao wanted that in rush hour. He wanted 50 million. And then obviously the famous line, who do you think you kidnapped Chelsea Clinton? The, the man won $50 million. James Harden turned it down. So maybe he took a page from James Harden's book and said – and there was some rumblings that he was going to make himself available because he felt betrayed, quote-unquote, by the Celtics. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a rough, rough few years um, for, for Hayward there. I mean, you got to assume that the – if he's leaving all that money on the table – I mean, obviously, he's got to have a multi-year deal that's going to exceed that, not on an annual basis, but certainly overall. I don't think he's going to be, I don't think Hayward's going to be signing a one-year prove-it type of deal. I would, it'd be really interesting if the Hawks wind up being that spot. I mean, he's, I think Hayward's good. I mean, he's really good. Uh, He, the injuries have really bitten him pretty hard. I I don't have a read on it. I'm going to say that the Hawks are not going to sign him. That maybe Hayward's got some sort of situation lined up elsewhere. Perhaps New York, who, like you mentioned at the top, they cleared a lot of cap space today. Maybe that's maybe they were preparing for this Hayward move. Or sign and trade with Indiana with yeah. Depot. Yeah, absolutely. That's I think that's certainly a viable option too. I don't. I if for him to come to Atlanta, I would imagine that it might be a sign and trade avenue as well. And maybe one of our our young wings would be going back in that deal or something. Which I don't really know if I'd even. 
Do that much of a, Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> well, where'd that come from? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. So my cat. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm gonna lean no, but uh, it's that's an unpredictable one. That's a wild card. I, I I definitely think it's a wild card, and I joked on Twitter. I think you like to tweet that. Well, I'll take Gordon Hayward if he's on clearance. I'll take him because thirty-four million dollars. That's, a, that's yeah. an absolute no. That that you that, no. That's a no for me, big man. That's a no. Mm-hmm. But. But maybe cheaper, cheaper deal, especially with us having forty for a million. If you can get him, if we can talk him into see, see, and I don't even want to get into that game personally because we still got to pay Collins. We still got to pay Collins, and yeah, I think, I think the cap space that we're trying to create, I think, is accounting for him. It's accounting for Trey in the future, and I think it's accounting for another star maybe next off season as well. So we don't want to try to handicap ourselves this year to Gordon Hayward. You're absolutely right. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think that's the biggest reason why he won't wind up here because they got enough problems trying to finagle like this future cap with all of our young guys going to be demanding big contracts. Collins, especially throwing Gordon Hayward in there for you'd assume two to three years is just that, that, that makes it way harder. And I don't know if he's the kind of player that'd be worth making that much headache in terms of roster construction. Yeah, I agree. So if I, if I'm going to, and I know Jordan's going to have his text on Sunday, so he'll throw some stuff out there. If we're, if we're going for two free agents, two free agents, I'm going to say, depending if the money looks good, I know the money will be good with Garrett Temple. You got a backup point guard. I like that. The LSU connection with him and Skyler, what he could teach Trey, just being in the league for a while and just being a vet. I think that's a good fit. And I know that there's some, a lot of people interested in this big man services. And we talked about maybe adding another big man to this roster. If we can somehow finesse Serge Ibaka, if, yeah. if we can somehow finesse Serge Ibaka and we don't, and we don't hurt ourselves too much, he's another veteran presence. He's won a title. I, I don't know if he want. I don't know about his desire to continue to win. I'm sure he wants to continue to win. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he has that stretch five ability. He, and I, I just think he'd be a decent fit here in Atlanta, especially being an international city as well. I think that it will be a seamless transition from T.O. down here to the ATL. So I think that if they can get those two, you got a backup point guard you ha- and you're getting two veteran presences. They can both still contribute some to your team. And I think it helps elevate this roster and, they're in the playoffs this year, and then you sign, re-sign Collins. You see what happens next year in free agency, and you have the building blocks for your future here in Atlanta. I, I like both of those. Um, Ibaka, I mean, if, if they could swing it, I'd love Ibaka uh, for a couple of years. I mean, his skill set with the with the the interior defense and that really good three point shot that he's developed over the years would really help this team out. And obviously, too, he's a really well respected veteran. So I like those two a lot. Um, if I were to go two realistic targets, um, you know, I, I still stand by Melton. I would I would love it if the Hawks could pull that off, but he is a restricted free agent. It's a little more complicated there. So I'll go with two other guys. Derek Jones Jr. out of Miami. I think mm-hmm. uh, I've seen a, a lot of buzz around his name just because he's a he's a versatile defender. He can he can play he can guard the three or the four. Really athletic, a good rim runner. He has a decent three-point shot. Hawks have a need at the backup four, which is his primary position. And he's young. He, he fits the timeline of his team. I don't know if he's going to be offering him a multi-year deal. I don't uh, think so either, especially yeah. with them drafting Precious Achua. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah I, think, uh, I think his time in uh, Miami is, is, is expired, unfortunately. For, for him in Miami, which 
which I love yes. Miami, but Atlanta is I mean, similar to Miami as far as a very festive city. So I, I like that fit as well. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the slam dunk champion down here too. Everyone, you know, everyone knows that Atlanta likes highlights, so we can it, good fit in that respect too. The other guy that sort of piqued my interest today and I'm Garrett Temple probably would have been my pick. Had you not taken him another interesting guy, Los Angeles Laker, not Rondo, not KCP, Avery Bradley. Who hmm. just, he, he just hit the unrestricted free agency market today. I think he turned down a player option because you're looking for either more money or change of scenery. I don't think he disliked his time in LA, but he's on the market. Avery Bradley is a terrific compliment to Trey Young on the defensive side of the ball. That is what he's just been doing his whole career is playing off ball at the point guard, uh, good three-point shooter, not much of a playmaker, uh, but he he's capable of you know moving the ball around in an offense. But it's really that, D, that three and D element. Um, I think that he, a valuable guy to have in your rotation, especially if the Hawks are trying to make the playoffs, uh, he could he could he could really assist in that respect. I think he'd be pretty cheap to get, relatively speaking. And he's got some veteran uh, experience. I think he's a pretty good locker room guy by all accounts. I, I'd be interested to see if the Hawks are, will express any desire to go after his services. I like that take. I really like that take. And I, it's funny. I saw, uh, you know, Josiah, who is famous for very, very funny tweets on Twitter. Yeah, no, he's great. Joke, of, <laughs> joke about Avery Bradley <laughs> going out and looking for offers out there in free agency. But once you said it, I'm like, you're absolutely right. You're you're 100% right. Him at the two next to Trey Young in his defensive skill set, his ability to shoot threes. He doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands. He can get to the rim whenever he does have the ball in his hands as well. If he can stay healthy, I I like that as well. I I like I like that. And I and I wrote it down. I wrote it down. I wanted to make sure we we track down the free agent into Sunday when we officially can sign people to see what pans out here. So I definitely wrote down your takes on my end, my takes as well. I threw the Bogdanovich on mine as just a pie in the sky, pie in the sky. And total pie as, in the sky. Uh, yeah, total pie in the sky. Uh, just like I've thrown out on this podcast before, Fred Van Fleet, total pie in the sky. Mm-hmm. That I don't, he, he wants to get paid. He wants to get paid, and rightfully so. Fred Van Fleet, who can defend, he can definitely shoot, he, de- he can play off the ball, and I think he can play with Trey, but I think he's going to be asking for a lot of money and stature size uh, as far as on a defensive end. Uh, he's a decent perimeter defender, but I think that we need someone who's a little bit more established in that regard because we're going to we're going to get three point shooting throughout this roster, especially adding Snell, as you alluded to Collins being able to shoot the three reddish is going to be better at the three pointer uh, line, I think, this year. DeAndre Hunter was 38, 39% in catch and shoot as a rookie last year. I think I expect that not to change. So I think we're, I think we'd have, and obviously Trey Young. So I think we're going to have shooting that develops on this roster, especially if we can create space for those shooters to get some open looks this year with Nate McMillan coming in, trying to put some of his tentacles on a more efficient offense on top of what Lloyd Pierce has already done. And if they can be better on a defensive end, it's only going to help them um, on the offensive end as well. So I'm really interested to see what we do free agency. And mm-hmm. it's, it's obviously right around the corner starts tomorrow. They can talk to people and then we can start signing people on Sunday. So it's going to be a fun weekend. It's going to, it's always a fun weekend. And I would, wouldn't be remiss if I didn't talk about my saints who that got the Falcons this, this weekend. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm no really, 
I know you guys are cracking on us that, yeah, you got 30 for 30 as a quarterback now since Drew Brees is out. But you know what? <laughs> We've been the Kangs of the South for years now. You can ask the Tampa Bay Buccaneers about us. Uh, so, man, but, I'm, su- I'm such a bad Falcons fan because my first thought was just like, man, I really hope. I'm, I'm not rooting for the Saints, man, but like I, I cannot take another Falcons season of starting the year one and five and then just turning out a like middle of the pack year. Don't like, yes. come on. It's just so yeah. like, this. We know where the team ceiling is. All right. We peaked. We the, 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 the jokes have been made. The devastation's been felt. I it's it's almost worse to be in now year two of this team clawing their way back from the absolute bottom of the league. I just, yeah. I I'm so broken over here, man. The Atlanta sports have done me so dirty. Thankfully, the Hawks are a glimmering light. Um, yes. The Okungwu pick, again, I cannot emphasize enough. I He was exactly the guy that I wanted them to take there. I think he's going to be a really unique player in the NBA. Um, I'm really excited to see how he pans out. And So thank you, Hawks, for, for sparing me. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a pleasure continuing to cover this team and I know that I don't cheer for the Falcons hardly ever because I'm a Saints fan. It's just mm-hmm. how I was raised. But I like to see the home team succeed, but just not this weekend. Just not this weekend. But I know that I'm glad to cover this this glimmer of hope that is the Atlanta Hawks. And I want to thank you, Alan, one of the best friends of Hootball Hawks, my friend, for coming on the show today. So, Alan, tell the audience how they can connect with you and what you got going on. Uh, this is a lot of fun, Brad. Thanks for having me back on. You guys can follow me at Alan Srochi on Twitter, A-L-A-N-S-R-O-C-H-I. Um, fantasy seasons are right around the corner. So aside from my Hawks takes, if you're into fantasy basketball, I got you there. I'll be breaking down all of the, the, the fantasy basketball season once free agency shakes out and we sort of get a sense of what fantasy drafts are going to look like. So stay tuned for that. And again, Brad, this is a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Oh, no. Thank you for expressing interest to come back on. Um, it's always a good time when we're on, and this will not be the last. Uh, guys, he's a must-follow on Twitter, for real, with takes for the Hawks and his fantasy outlooks as it refers to basketball. He's really good. He's very underrated out there, so please give him a follow. This will not be the last time he's on this program. Like I said, he is my friend. He's going to continue to be on this show because I like smart Hawks fans and we want to try to make everybody a very informed Hawks fan so they can know what to look for on the court, what to look for in free agency, trades, draft, whatnot. We're going to continue to do what we do. I'm going to continue to do the research on my end to make sure I inform you to the best of my ability. If there's something I don't know, hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Twitter. But before I get to the closing part of the show, one last question. You guys know where I stand. The highly anticipated versus battle is on right now as we are recording this. So I'm definitely going to go back and rewatch that. I'm rocking with Gucci. Alan, who you got tonight? I'm going to go the other way, man. I'm all I'm all, I'm team Jeezy. All right. Atlanta royalty. Uh, I'm all I'm on that side of things. I, I, I no disrespect to Gucci, man. But yeah, I just I, I've. Oh, I was about to about to say something I shouldn't have on this podcast. I <laughs> I rock with Jeezy way more. I, I listened to him growing up. I did not so much for Gucci, so that's my guy. Okay, I say I say we can agree to disagree, just like we agree to disagree on the Saints. But I'm glad that we can see eye to eye on the Hawks, and that's why you're on this program, and that's why he's my friend. 
and my friends listening to this show if you love what you heard today give us five stars like a blue blood basketball school's top recruits give us a great review share with fellow Hawks fans and basketball enthusiasts across the globe follow us at HoopBallHawks on Twitter that is at HoopBallHawks follow myself at BradJarrett67 that is Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7 and as always yeah.